We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and I believe that Zion Johnson is a good football player. <laughs> uh, welcome in. Uh, obviously, happy to preview the uh, Chargers and Titans game tonight with my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? Doing pretty well. Streaming from a new location today, and that's after streaming from another new location that was my parents' house. Not my parents' house this time, new apartment. Let's see how it goes. If the Wi-Fi is not great, I apologize. I'll get that fixed. As far as I can tell, though, no birds. <laughs> yeah, no birds. Uh, Alex is not here. He's wrapping up some uh, finals in medical school. Uh, so it'll be just me and Tyler tonight. So um, lots of comments. Mike, Mike, Mike going on in the chat. So if you're going to the game on Sunday and if you're going to any game from here on out, uh, you know, we obviously got to do the the Mike Siegel things anytime Mike Williams uh, makes a catch. So you found out that the team has been doing this for inside the locker room basically since he's been around. But I'm surprised that this is like the first time that we are hearing of this uh, potential fun chant uh, for Mike Williams. Yeah, no, I was completely surprised. I was asking about it. And apparently this is something that's been at least since 2020. So I, I don't know how we didn't pick that up. I don't know how a reporter or the Charger social media hasn't picked this up. But hey, you know, better late than never. So I'm, I'm happy to do it. It's a piece of cake. It's really obnoxious. And we don't really have a, a thing. You know, some guys have like, you know, coon or something like that. And we just, you know, we didn't never really had anything. So Mike, Mike, Mike. Sounds, <laughs> it's, it's so obnoxious, but it's perfect. Oh, it's it's like the perfect embodiment of our fan base. Like, so, uh, you know, just be that, you know, obnoxious, super vocal, but powerful and, and small crowd. So uh, I'd love to hear it. So. Um, like I said, well, we are here to uh, obviously preview the Chargers and Titans game. Um, we're also going to, as we do every single week, kind of talk about the uh, latest around the injury news and things like that. Um, and, you know, we'll see where kind of that, that conversation uh, leads us. So um, first and foremost, uh, the Chargers have not um, designated Joey Bosa to return just yet. Um, Jeff Miller said yesterday in just kind of his opinion that he thinks that Indianapolis would be kind of the target date for Joey to return to action. Um, obviously, Ian Rappaport, Tom Pelissero kind of indicated that on Sunday that there was a chance that Joey could play this Sunday against the Tennessee Titans. So um, that could still certainly be the case. The Chargers did not practice today. They had a walkthrough. 
Um, so we'll see if that changes, but it, it doesn't sound like Joey Bosa will play this week. Sounds like Joey Bosa could potentially be a, a higher possibility of returning next week against the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, I figured maybe he would get a practice in this week. And granted, I don't know how much Joey Bosa needs to practice. I don't know what kind of shape he's in with this groin injury, but he's a guy that, I mean, there was that contract holdout, wasn't practicing, wasn't practicing as a rookie. And then he walks in and has two sacks of Derek Carr in his first game, just right off the bench practically. So, you know, he's a guy that maybe doesn't need to practice, like say a Derwin James, or even like a Khalil Mack, but not really sure what kind of shape he's in. If it's not this week, that's fine. Honestly, if it's not next week, that's not the worst thing either. You know, if the Chargers can handle their business this week, just like they did last week, then, you know, get him back for a, a, get a couple of games in, at least, you know, get him against Denver. Cause I feel like that's, really their toughest remaining game as odd as that is to say and you know if he can make it for the playoffs if they make it awesome uh, i don't see him doing anything this week but next week at the, even just logging a practice would be great yeah again that could certainly change his status obviously jack h pointing out in the chat that you know rapperborn palisera said that he should return to practice this week and again that could certainly still happen so um i've seen some confusion online uh, players who are on injury reserve are not on the injury report. So we wouldn't know if he was a limited participant or a full participant unless Brandon Staley were outright saying this is guy is, is full. He's a full participant in practice or not. So um, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Uh, again, they didn't practice today. They had a walkthrough today. So we'll see what happens with Joey Bosa. But again, I feel like next week, much more likely for his return. Somebody who will be returning this week is tight end Donald Parham. Uh, obviously just had a season from hell, you know, torn hamstring in training camp, comes back from the hamstring, gets a concussion, comes back from the concussion, re-injures the same hamstring. Uh, and we've seen Donald Parham basically play, I think it's like 42 snaps total this season. Uh, just super unfortunate, you know, uh, somebody that is headed into a contract year, somebody that we were all really excited about, you know, him and and Gerald Everett, what what kind of pairing that would provide this team. Uh, you know, the first 10 days of training camp, he was absolutely crushing everybody mm-hmm. in one-on-ones, in red zone specifically. And, uh, you know, I've talked a lot about his work as a blocker. So the Chargers have really missed him this year. I, and, you know, it's one of the reasons why I keep talking about, like, drafting a tight end next next spring. Um, just because they don't really have that guy who can be a versatile blocker and a versatile pass catcher. I think Gerald Everett is a fine tight end two kind of player, but we're really kind of seeing his limitations over the last month. So getting Donald Parham back for this team is huge, in my opinion, and hopefully he can stay healthy for the rest of the season. Uh, That's really what it is. I'm really hoping that he stays healthy. I assume they'll kind of work him in back slowly as they have been trying to do, but just it's been so unlucky with him. Um, And of course, the hamstring, the concussion, all that. They've just been missing him at different points of the field. You know, you talked about, and you, I think, tweeted out, or we talked in a direct message about how much better Justin Herbert is when Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are on the field and how how good his EPA on his dropback is with those two. Well, Donald Parham, granted, not those guys, will help so much and solve so many more issues you know, even just see that throw to Mike Williams down the sideline where just, you know, Xavier Howard is pretty decent coverage and Mike Williams just beat him, just got the ball. And you watch something like yeah. against the Eagles last year. Same thing. Donald Parham down the sideline. Yeah, we'll just throw it up because guess what? You're not 6'9", 6'10". <laughs> um, and not that that always is a way to win, but they really are missing that. You know, if you talk about the red zone issues being an issue, obviously Donald Parham can fix that. If you think run game has been an issue, Guess what? Donald Parham can help fix that. I think until McKitty's most recent catch, I think Donald Parham was still second on the team in receiving for tight ends. Like that's how much they've been missing him, <laughs> which is more of a trade. McKitty's games, yeah, barely God. like one and a half games, and he was still like tight end two in receiving yards um, until McKitty got like a recent catch or something. They're sorely missing him. Even just a guy that can get twenty-five yards, thirty yards a game. You know, they just need something. There are several instances where I believe in, I believe even last week against the Dolphins where Trey McKitty was open-ish, so there was something maybe schemed up for him to get a reception. And you've just seen it all year. Herbert's gone, I'd rather do anything else than <laughs> to Trey McKitty. And yeah. it, it, it's different than, you know, someone like Donald Parham where he does trust, you know, really since his rookie year, 
just to go make a, a, a spectacular play one on one against a guy. You can just do so much more with him. As important as Keenan Allen was for you know them moving the ball better, and you've seen that. Of course, he had 12 catches this past week. Donald Parham was the guy in the red zone for them in training camp, and maybe it won't happen this week. But ramping up towards him being a, a more you know, higher participant in the red zone, it'll be huge for this team. There are so many issues that Donald Parham, if healthy, can solve for this offense. Yeah, and we really saw leading up to his concussion that ended his season last year, just kind of the way that they were trying to use him was a lot of vertical routes, right? It's a, it was a lot of posts. It was a lot of benders, a lot of drags, a lot of, a lot of corners. And there, <laughs> Trey McKitty is running those routes. But like you said, <laughs> Justin Herbert is not throwing him the football like ever, no. uh, unless he absolutely has no other choice. So, um, you know, you'll, you'll see him, you know, where Keenan Allen, like will be the number one read and McKitty, like, should be the number two read like in that concept just kind of based off of mm -hmm. how it's going and you'll see him look at parham and instead go all the way back to the other side see who number three is and if number three is not open he'll go all the way back to the left and get austin eckler who's the fourth read and yeah. he's like there's he doesn't trust trey mckitty at all and you know he was somebody that i was was relatively high on coming in the season he just has not panned out um, although you know, Sunday night was actually what I felt like McKitty's best performance as a blocker. It still wasn't great, but it was mm -hmm. fine. Um, so getting Parham back and just opens up, you know, that much more of the playbook and that much more of the red zone area of the vertical parts of the field for Justin Herbert. I mean, we saw it in his, uh, second game back where Donald Parham caught a corner route and it was like a 35 yard gain, like almost right mm -hmm. to start the first quarter. So. Um, you know, he's been an underrated loss for this team that doesn't really get talked about. Obviously, people talk about, you know, Mike and Keenan not playing a lot and Jalen Guy in and stuff like that. But Parham not playing has been a huge loss for this team. Again, that doesn't really get talked about much. Yeah, that's why we were dying for a tight end, too, at the trade deadline. That's why you've been looking <laughs> yeah. at tight ends they should draft. I mean, you can't run a two tight end offense without without another tight end. And McKitty just hasn't been it. And it, it, with, with Foster Serrell not playing so hot, with Trey McKitty out there, it really feels like nine on 11 football sometimes out there when you're trying to block. And the offense has suffered for it. So if you can get you know, Pipkins back this week, get Donald Parham back this week, I mean, the offense would just be, I don't know if it'll be a whole lot better, but it should be more consistent. I think that'd be huge for this team. Yeah, and just kind of talking about the run game, like I, I think if you really hone in on what Trey McKitty does well, or at least decent, and what he struggles with, the, the biggest thing he really struggles with is being kind of that backside blocker for run plays. Like he always gets beat across his face or somebody will kind of loop around him. And he just doesn't really like, he doesn't have that like quick twitch, quick reactionary skills that you need to be that backside blocker. And that's something that Donald Parham really excels at. He can, he can set the edge on the backside. Trey McKinney cannot. So that alone is really going to, you know, open up some things for, uh, the run game again it's not going to be fixed completely right I mean you're dealing with backup tackles you're dealing with Matt Filer's regression um, but a lot of the times what happens with the Chargers run game is that their tight ends will get beat on either side and there's nowhere to go for the running backs you can't bounce it when Jalen Phillips is is barreling down on you or when Frank Clark is barreling down on you so um, Donald Parham's return should really help this team I don't know if he's going to be on a snap count or what if they're going to try and do what they did with Keenan where he, he kind of got like 25, 30 snaps that first game back. Um, but, you know, we should see his, you know, continued uh, health really benefit this team in, in small ways that people are not really going to be talking about. Yeah. It doesn't have to be anything, you know, major, but even Mike Williams, now granted Mike Williams had over a hundred yards this past game, but just one or two special plays a game from Donald Parham, one play, some good run blocking, like even just, even just Keenan Allen being back, watching him in the run game, like that yeah. makes it so much easier for this offense. Another guy like Donald Parham being back easier again. I can't wait. Seriously, yeah. I, I'm, we've been missing him so much. I mean, Keenan Allen had himself a day as a run blocker. I know that's obviously not what he gets paid to do. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, going from watching, you know, DeAndre Carter and uh, <laughs> and Michael Bandy block in the slot as opposed to Keenan Allen, it's been uh, it's been a struggle. So I'm glad that uh, Keenan is back and, and able to do those kind of things. So um, obviously other injury news, Derwin James did not practice today. Again, 
They only did a walkthrough. However, Derwin James was the only one listed as a DNP on the injury report. Um, Brandon Staley said afterwards that they're going to be careful with Derwin James. Um, obviously has the quad injury. Hasn't been a ton of information about like when it happened. He mentioned last week that it uh, was a carryover from the Arizona game and then just kind of flared up against the Raiders. So do you think we'll see Derwin James this week? Where are you kind of leaning at? Obviously, I know it's Wednesday. There's two more practices, but sure. um, where are you leaning with Derwin's availability this week? I think they'll play it safe. And I think you can look at the safety play that they had last week. Granted, you can't just pin an entire season on one game and say, oh, okay, we'll be good. But I think you should be pretty encouraged with the way that guys like Alohi Gilman, even Nasir Adderley, Raheem Lane for a bit, those guys really stepped up. And I don't think this is... Granted, Derrick Henry is a freaking monster of a runner, but I don't think the game yeah. plan is so dependent on Derwin James being out there. Yes, it helps. Obviously, duh. But I just don't think this is a game you feel like you have to force him out there. Um, it'd be great, but I think you're encouraged enough with the safeties and the, how they played against the Dolphins that I think Derwin James is going to wait until next week or that they'll wait until next week. Yeah, I mean, the last thing you want for Derwin and just kind of what he means to this defense is to you know, kind of play banged up for the whole rest of the season when another week could really kind of benefit him. So I agree. I think we'll see them be cautious there and, and they should. I mean, he plays six positions for them. He's their captain. Mm-hmm. He's the heartbeat of the team. Frankly, he's their best player on defense. Um, so I, I think they'll be patient with him too. And, um, you know, one of the things that I really liked this week from Brandon Staley is that they really simplified things in terms of their personnel packages. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that can be said. You know, people were like, well, it got so much better without Derwin. Like, what does that mean about Derwin? I don't think it means anything about Derwin. I just think it means that you try to move Derwin around so much that sometimes it can be kind of a detriment to the other players around Derwin James. You know, uh, you're asking us, you're out to play in the box and deep and in the slot and all these other things. And, you know, so I think this week, same kind of approach, right? Obviously different focus. You're not focusing on Tyree Kill and Jaden Waddle, but um, the Titans receiving weapons are not fantastic. So, and we'll talk about this, you know, more specifically in a second here, but um, just be simple again this week, really focus in on your keys, really focus in on, on stopping Derrick Henry, which we'll get to. Um, and they should be fine. Like you said, I think Alohi Gillen's playing some really good football. Um, I think Nasir Adley can function for another game and then we'll kind of see what happens after that. But I agree. I don't think you need to rush Derwin James back. Yeah. We'll definitely miss him, but I don't think it'll be we'll miss him so much that it'll be a loss. <laughs> uh yeah, exactly right. So um we'll see what obviously there are some other injuries, you know, Sebastian Joseph Day, Tri- Trey Pipkins, Bryce Callahan, they were all listed as limited today. Um mm-hmm. sounded like on Monday that Brandon Staley expects most of that crowd back. Uh, and obviously Sebastian Joseph Day coming back in particular would be huge. So Again, we'll uh, we'll monitor those three, but it does sound like most of them have a, a pretty good chance of playing this week. Yeah, that sounds sounds wonderful. Uh, Daniel Popper finally was able to write some positive injury news in his report for the Athletic, and it was just it's just so nice to see these guys coming back. I just I, I feel the the optimism. It feels nice. <laughs> Amazing change from two weeks ago, huh? Oh yeah, no, we were both <laughs> ready to just. I mean, listen. I, I I still feel the the dread in there somewhere. I feel the letdown in one of these games at some point. Um, but for right now, I, my optimism is higher. Yeah, and I said head and you know this isn't like just uh, because they won. You know, I said last week that I felt better about this team's chances of beating the Titans than I did the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. You know, just to make that clear. So, all right, we'll uh, we'll dive in here to our Titans preview as we do every single week. Obviously, we'll have uh, Tyler's slideshow. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll dive into really kind of the specifics of this roster, this coaching staff. Uh, you know, they themselves have a bit of a you know front office conundrum. Obviously, after firing mm-hmm. John Robinson recently, um, but we'll uh, we'll dive in. All right, so from a coaching staff standpoint, obviously Michael, Mike Vrabel, I almost called him Michael. I don't know why I did that. Uh, Mike Vrabel, been there for quite some time, uh, has a fantastic coaching record, 41-24. Every single year, it feels like the Titans are going to come back down to earth and they're not going (laughs) to be a playoff team. And, you know, like last year, I think they were like 22nd in DVOA and, and their offense wasn't like super good. And, 
you know, AJ Brown had missed most of the season and they still made the playoffs and they were still the, the one seed. And, uh, you know, Mike Vrabel just has this, you know, identity about himself and his team that really just kind of elevates everything on a week to week basis. So, um, he's obviously their head coach. I think he's one of the better coaches in the league in terms of like game management, uh, clock management. And, you know, he really is, is going to have a leg up from a, a management standpoint almost every single week. Um, Todd Downing and Shane Bowen are their offensive and defensive coordinators. Obviously Todd Downing, uh, himself in some hot water recently after that DUI, but, um, you know, that's where, that's where they're at. And obviously Craig Ackerman, Ackerman, I'm not really sure how to say that one, uh, is their special teams coordinator. I swear, man, the Titans, I don't know what it is. And obviously like, like many of these teams, I don't watch a lot of Titans football intentionally. I don't go out of my way to watch them, but the team just fights. And it's something that I feel like separates. Okay. No, I shouldn't say that the chargers do themselves fight, but I feel like the Titans also then go out of their way to win those games as well. It's not like an, ah, shucks, they fought hard, but they lost. I feel like the Titans just find a way um, for whatever reason, they play the chiefs very, very tough as well. I feel like they're kind of now just stuck in the mud though, because you have, you know, some good players for sure. But I feel like you know the offensive line isn't as good as it used to be. The defense has not been as good as we're kind of used to seeing from them. You lost AJ Brown, that potentially got their GM fired. So I, I feel like they're kind of stuck right now. But still, they're stuck. I don't think the roster is all that great. They're probably underperforming, and they're still first in their division. They're still seven and six, which yeah. doesn't mean that they're world beaters by any means, but. They're a very well-coached team, at least from their head coach perspective. And I, I'm not taking them lightly at all just because of that. Yeah, I mean, I remember a few weeks ago, I think it might have been like week 10 when they played the Chiefs and Malik Willis was starting. And that defense was on the field for like 95 plays in overtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they just, you know, scraped and clawed their way to keep that game competitive. You know, Malik Wills couldn't p- complete a pass past 15 <laughs> yards, let alone like, you know, be efficient in the, in the play action game or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that defense uh, just, you know, kept them in it all night long and they just battled and battled. Um, a lot of those players who played in that game and played well are not super healthy right now. Uh, yep. It does sound like Jeffrey Simmons should be back this week. Um, at least it was limited in practice, which that's that's going to be fun for the social media takes. <sighs> but, um, you know, it, their cornerbacks are are pretty banged up. Their linebackers are pretty banged up. So they're, they're not the same defense overall that they have been. But Dupree's injured. So, um, you know, we'll have to monitor that. But you know that coming off of a three-game losing streak, that this team is going to head into SoFi and they're going to be ready for a fight. Like, this is going to be a, a tough, oh, yeah. physical game for the chargers to manage and uh you know the chargers are gonna have to be up for the test because they're the titans are not going to come in here and just like roll over like the titans are going to come here and try and punch the chargers in the mouth yeah absolutely and the dolphins partially because i think the chargers were always in front that game but you know they wanted to pass the ball and they really couldn't but this you know they, they couldn't really run the ball and that's also a testament to the way the chargers played defense and the guys up front played pretty well this Titans team is completely different. I mean, we've been dreading this game since they <laughs> announced the schedule. Yeah. Um, I definitely feel much better about it now than I did when they first announced the schedule, you know, and show that the Titans were coming to town and all that. But yeah, won't take them lightly. It's going to be a dogfight. Uh, thankfully, I just don't think their entire team is up to the task to keep up with the Chargers. Yeah. And uh, we'll certainly get to that in a second here. All right. We'll move on to the next. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, not a ton of free agency moves. Obviously, AJ Brown really kind of the big uh, loss. Obviously, trading him, you know, for mm-hmm. a first round pick, potentially something that probably got the GM fired this year. Um, you know, notable additions they they added Austin Hooper, who's been fine. They added Robert Woods coming off an ACL, and he's been okay for them. But uh, again, the chart the no, the Chargers the Titans were pretty cap strong and that's why you, you didn't really see them add much in terms of the veteran free agent pool. I mean, you're talking about a team who's, you kind of takes taking some big swings on Julio Jones on mm-hmm. Bud Dupree on Jadavian Clowney players like that, that have just kind of not worked out. So I went back and, back and looked and they actually had like $40 million of dead cap money this year, 
uh, which was obviously why they did not really make any uh, major moves. Yeah, I was surprised. I felt like there was another move in there that they had made. Of course, the only one most people will talk about is the one for AJ Brown. Uh, I remember the good old times last year when we were talking about you know trading for Julio Jones and not having <laughs> Mike Williams and you know all that sort of stuff. Which you know I get it. That's it came up yeah. and it it made us money. So thanks for the topic, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I mean they just and we'll look at the draft in a second. They they really just weren't that great of a team. They didn't really bring enough impact guys in. And I don't want to say they missed on Robert Woods and Austin Hooper or their draft picks, but they're just not really having a, a really great standout year from really any of these additions. And you they lost more simply by trading guys away. Granted, like you trade away AJ Brown, of course, like you're not going to be better on offense, I would imagine. But still, like they just the additions haven't been great. The losses have been more impactful. And the draft class that they had was pretty hit or miss. So uh, Robert Woods is their leading receiver on the season. Uh, guess how many total yards he has receiving. I don't know if you know this already, but uh, I don't. Uh, 478. <laughs> You're pretty close. Uh, 405. Okay. So well, that's worse. Wow. I don't yeah. <laughs> so he's, uh, he's got 62 targets on the year, 38 receptions for 405 yards and one touchdown. Okay. Um, <laughs> wow. What is their, uh, yeah, that's not good. Yeah. Austin, <laughs> Austin Hooper is their second most targeted receiver. Uh, he's got 41 targets on the season, uh, okay. 32 receptions, 347 yards and two touchdowns. I mean, Jiggy is pretty close then, yeah, because he's got like 320. Uh, yeah, Jiggy Okonkwo has thir- has 31 targets, 21 catches, 320 yards, and two touchdowns. So he's kind of come on recently. Mm-hmm. Um, he honestly probably ends up leading their team in receiving. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so uh, ever since the Kansas Kansas City game, that's really when they've kind of. Uh, you know, started increasing his his workload, I guess you want to say 48 mm-hmm. yards, 41 yards, 31, 35, 68, and then uh, six catches, which was a career high for 45 yards and a touchdown this past mm-hmm. week against the Jaguars. So uh, Chiggy Okonkwo really coming on one of the uh, tight ends that I wanted the Chargers to draft last year. Yeah, both Isaiah Likely and Chiggy Okonkwo were two tight ends that they met with, and I would have been happy with either as a Steven Anderson replacement um you know what it's okay we have uh well we have jt woods and we have uh, isaiah spiller i don't think either of them played all that much last game but you know it's okay yeah this is what it is all right we'll get to uh the draft class here talking about chig okonkwo as well so um am i hitting it you hit it you see i was waiting for you to do it this time Um, all right, so obviously this is the the Tennessee Titans draft class. They kind of got some uh, draft capital from the AJ Brown trade. With that draft capital, they uh, managed to acquire Traylon Burks. He's been in and out of the lineup. I think he's got a concussion this week and still in protocol. Um, Roger McCreary, the cornerback out of uh, Auburn, Nicholas Petit Frere, offensive lineman from Ohio State. He is their starting uh, right tackle, I believe. Malik Willis, mm-hmm. Hassan Haskins. Uh, weirdly returns kicks for them, but I think he runs like a four seven. Uh, Chigo Conquo, then Kyle really? Phillips, yeah, uh, Theo Jackson, and then uh, Chance Campbell. So that's the uh, Tennessee Titans draft class. So, uh, Roger McCreary, Petit Frere, and Burks are all starters for them. Um, everybody else kind of uh, special teams backup players, most for the most part. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely getting, aside from injuries, the snaps out of these guys. I'm sure with McCreary, with Petit Freer, with some of Burks, Haskins has filled in a little bit when Hilliard or Henry have been hurt with a Conquo. I'm sure they've gotten pretty good snap counts out of these guys. So I guess that's promising. And if you, you can develop these guys, then that's pretty solid. But yeah, Haskins returning kicks is certainly a, a choice. Um, Burks, man, like even the play he got hurt on, the concussion, was so great. It would have been so cool to see him on the Chargers making that play. Obviously, the Titans making that play. Like he's when he's on the field, it feels like it, it works and he generates explosive plays. But man, he's just been banged up and hurt. Then, um, of course, there were the reports heading into training camp about him being overweight heading into the draft. That was an issue as well with conditioning. Um, not that that's why he's out now, and I don't think it's currently an issue. But just a, a slow start from him, 
And meanwhile, you see AJ Brown catching 30 yard after 30 yard after 30 yard after 40 yard bomb from Jalen Hurts, and I'm sure they're missing him. Yeah, I think in a in a vacuum, right? Like a, a team like the Titans, you know, you move on from AJ Brown and you do it and you acquire a first round receiver and then also you go get Robert Woods. I can understand why you'd want to do that and, and essentially replace the one guy with two guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you also double dip here and you get Kyle Phillips, who we all really liked from UCLA. So I don't necessarily hate the the process there from the Titans. Mm-hmm. It obviously just has not really worked out to the way that I think they all would have hoped when they, they had this process. Obviously, you know, Burks and his injury, uh, Robert Woods has not been himself. I mean, he's clearly, you know, pretty past his prime and just has not mm-hmm. been uh, the same kind of vertical threat by any means. So um, I think, you know, this this te- this Titans team probably has a better future because of the A.J. Brown trade. But, you know, this year it's just it's tough to look at this offense and feel like outside of Derrick Henry feel like they really have the horses to to threaten you on a week-to-week basis vertically you know mm-hmm. in the passing game um outside of Chigo Conquo who's really kind of been crushing it recently but um you know again a lot of young guys contributing here the Titans should be better going forward obviously a lot of that will hinge on Malik Willis developing but this team without AJ Brown just doesn't have the same kind of oomph behind the offense yeah, and I like several of these players. I think not that we loved all these players, but we certainly at least liked them. I do feel like this is a good draft class that they can develop them, but uh, they don't have Andy Reid. They don't have Patrick Mahomes. So they can't just ship away their best player and then just yeah. somehow get better on offense. Not quite the same over here in Tennessee. So yeah, like you said, the future does look bright with this draft class. I do like some of these guys. Uh, it's just not really paying off strongly right now. Although I guess if you're getting a starting right tackle, you know, out of a third round pick, starting corner out of a second round pick, um, for better or worse, I should say, you know, not bad. Yeah. And, you know, if Willis can hit again, obviously that changes the whole dynamic of this whole thing. So I'm curious here, just kind of a general conversation. It sounds like Mike Vrabel's headed for like a Bill O'Brien kind of role as somebody who's going to be essentially the GM, but not have the title. Um, mm. I hope that's not a mistake. Again, I, I'm a huge fan of Mike Vrabel. I think he's a fantastic head coach. Mm-hmm. But this whole like head coach GM thing just frankly never works out. And uh, I'm I'm nervous about that aspect of the Titans' future. Yeah. I, I don't know. I wish I knew more about the Titans to know how they've drafted and how much Vrabel's input, you know, what's his influence on their picks um, up to this point. I don't really know. But I guess if you hit on those picks, great. And if he wants to be the GM, sort of. And I, is, is there indication that he wanted that role or just they fired the GM and he's kind of just being thrust into that role? Uh, publicly, he said that he was as surprised as anybody that Robinson was fired. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there there has been some speculation that a lot of teams would potentially go out and target the assistant GM, I don't know, I don't know his name, but apparently the, the assistant GM was like considered a rising star in the personnel side of things. Hmm. So there's a lot of speculation that it's going to be Rabel kind of ushering in the new era while this assistant GM kind of, you know, gets his bearings over the next couple of years. And then, mm-hmm. you know, two, three years down the road, then he'll essentially be the guy kind of like Robinson was. But then again, whenever a coach kind of gets that power, <laughs> they don't ever give it away. Like that's the thing here is that mm. Rabel probably is going to be able to pick whoever he wants in the draft next year. Uh, and then once he figures out that he really likes being in charge of that, uh, he's <laughs> not going to give it away. So it just is, it's a very interesting dynamic that, you know, for Rabel's sake, I hope works out in the positive. Yeah. I hope it works out as well. <laughs> We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Uh, well, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Um, okay. Gosh, dang it. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to do it anymore. You're in charge. Sorry. My bad. All right. So, um, we, we've kind of hinted at it. Obviously the, the chargers have one primary mission on defense. We'll <laughs> talk about kind of the offensive game plan and things that we want to see from that. Um, I am curious because the, the Titans, like they're not running the football at the same level that we have seen. But we all know that Derrick Henry can go nuclear at any point against anybody. Uh, mm-hmm. He nearly did it last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. He did have the 150-yard run. Um, you know, He had about 120 yards rushing in the touchdown. He did fumble twice for like the first time, I think, in his, his NFL career. Um, so I think they're 20th in rush, rushing DVOA. I think they're like 18th in success rate. A lot of that is their offensive line play. But Tyler... How are you, if, if you're Brandon Staley and Ronaldo Hill this week, how are you kind of trying to stop uh, Derrick Henry and prevent him from going nuclear and essentially, you know, beating you? If, you know, we're being honest, he has that potential to just beat any team by himself. So uh, how are you stopping him this week? I'm going to go to church. The thing is, like, I don't know what the Chargers are going to do on defense. You watch the film against the Dolphins, and maybe it's been different, but this is a team that usually goes, cool, we're going to start the game in nickel. Would not surprise me at all if they start the game with five defensive backs, despite the fact that, you know, Brooks is banged up and Tannehill's the quarterback and and Henry's there. But, I mean, load the box as best you can, get Raheem Lane on the field more and tell him to take him out like he's that gunner on special teams, that poor human being who's still on the field, I think, at SoFi um that was electric i love that oh so good so good from ficken and the whole the whole thing whole thing was great if possible i i love kyle van noy against the dolphins um i I do think i don't love chris rumpf against the run but i feel like there's more there with chris rumpf i I think i agree i agree i i don't know how much of the snap count difference there's been, but you have to find a way to at least try to get Chris Rump on the field. Not that I think he's great against the run by any means, but I think if you're trying to win this game against him, you're, you're trying to get, you know, some size on the field at the upside that Chris Rump has. So try to get him on the field. Yeah. Whatever that is, do it. Um, I mean, Sebastian Joseph day comes back. That's great. Otherwise, I don't know. Pray. Like, I, there's not a whole lot they do to change up what they're doing against the run. So I, I don't really know what to tell you. So in terms of run defense snap counts, Kyle Van Oy had 13 this past week. Chris Rumpf had six. Um, again, the Dolphins didn't really, they didn't have a ton of snaps in general, and they certainly didn't have a ton of run snaps. Um, against the Raiders, Kyle Van Oy had 22 run snaps. Chris Rumpf had seven. So it wasn't a big mm, okay. game for Chris Rumpf for that regard. Um, mm. Against the Cardinals, Kyle Van Oy had 26 run defense snaps, and Chris Rumpf had five. So they, the, obviously, those have been the games where Chris Rumpf has been back uh, after the injury. So I I don't think they trust Chris Rumpf against the run. And I, I think that he's getting in the right positions at times. Like he's had, you know, I feel like he's had at least one opportunity every single week that he's been back to get a tackle for loss. And he mm-hmm. just can't make it happen. <laughs> it's so frustrating because, you know, th- these are plays that you hope to see out of a guy who's a second year developing young player. Yeah. Um, I agree. I think I would rather have Chris Rumpf out there more often, um, just because Kyle Van I think is, is really limited in that regard, but mm-hmm. you know, some basic things that obviously we've seen them do is, you know, roll out those four defensive tackle looks. Um, that's contingent on Sebastian Joseph day playing though. Cause I don't think you really right. gain anything if you're playing Tyler Davidson out there instead mm-hmm. of Sebastian Joseph day or, or Chris Hinton, who I think had like four snaps this past week total. Um, that's one of the things that they can do if Sebastian Joseph is healthy. Um, 
one of the other things that they did um, against the 49ers was essentially treat Derwin James like a third linebacker. So they were almost playing like, you know, more of like a cover three scheme that week, even though it was was similarly a lot of man coverage. But, you know, bringing Derwin James, bringing Alohi Gilman up in the box can still allow you to play like your your same kind of fronts. You just change mm-hmm. your coverages a little bit. And I, I think that kind of, you know, it, it gives them a way to, you know, kind of keep their pass defense intact while also playing the run heavy more. So that's a role that I think Alohi Gilman would be pretty good at is playing more in the box. I think Nasir Adderley is better in the box. So mm-hmm. that's one other schematic change that they have done in the past. And I think we will see that again this week. Yeah, as Wrong Speedy points out, Derwin as an edge rusher would be something they could absolutely do, especially against... Not that Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill are similar players, but they're, you know, not exactly throwing the ball around right now, and they're certainly relying on a run, you know, heavy scheme. But I mean, Derwin's probably not going to play, so you can't really do that with JT Woods. You can't really do that with a Thalohi or Nas or anything like that. So it's a good idea. I just Derwin's probably not playing. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Tannehill has been uh, carrying the ball like design rushes about three, four times a game this season. Um, really more often than he has in in quite some time. I think that's by design since they don't really have uh, a passing attack. So Mm -hmm. I am curious in general. I I think Brandon Staley has had some really good game plans individually. Like I thought his plan against the 49ers was solid. I thought Mm -hmm. his plan against the Cardinals was solid. I thought his plan uh, this past week against the Dolphins was fantastic. So I, I, we all know what, (laughs) what you're going to have to do against this Tennessee Titans team. And I do expect Brandon Staley to have some wrinkles thrown in here uh, to make things a little bit easier. Maybe we see Kyle Vanoey more as an off-ball linebacker this week. Maybe they kind of switch to more of like a traditional 4-3 defense with Vanoey kind of you mm-hmm. know, hovering back and forth a little bit. Um, but I, I do think that they'll be ready, and uh, we'll see if they're able to have some success there. But for me, like the key is is you have to rally and tackle this week at, at the 100%. highest level you've done. So mm-hmm. they did a pretty good pretty pretty good job against uh you know the Dolphins, like I mentioned in that regard. But that's the thing with Derrick Henry is that he could take any two yard run, break one tackle, and he's gone for 50. So you mm-hmm. have to be able to rally and tackle this week. You know, that this is your focus. You have to make sure that Derrick Henry does not get these two, three big yard runs like we did see earlier in the season from Damian Pierce and Kenneth Walker and Nick Chubb and all mm-hmm. these guys. If you do that to, to Derrick Henry, like you're going to lose because then they're just going to feed him the ball 35 times a game. Yeah, it, it seems like they've also been, I could be wrong because I didn't watch the Raiders game because I didn't want to watch that. I haven't <laughs> watched the Dolphins game, but it feels like they've done the run blitz thing with Kenneth Murray a bit less the last couple of weeks. They have. Does that feel like it's the case? Yeah, they have. I'm curious what the change was there because if you look at his three game stretch, granted it's just numbers, and I know there's issues against the Raiders and, and other games, but if you look at his, this recent three game stretch of let's see one two three four six nine run stops, you know three run stops, um, a game the last three games, that's an improvement for Kenneth Murray uh, compared to the start of the year. You really can't find another three game stretch that's exactly like that. So if he's starting to diagnose better, you know that's great. Yeah, they're they're not blitzing him very often. They did it a couple of times uh, on Sunday night. They did it a couple of times, but early in the season, it was just like every other play. Oh yeah. Um, so Kenneth, I think he's settling down a little bit. I still want to see him be able to shed blockers at a at a higher level. That's still something he really struggles with. Um, but if he's able to diagnose quickly and get Derrick Henry onto the ground, like there's going to be some violent collisions in the hole with if Kenneth Murray and Derrick Henry are going one on one. So. Um, you know, I do expect the Chargers to be prepared and have a plan. It's just a matter of obviously going out there and doing it and making sure Derrick yeah. Henry uh, gets to the ground. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, tackle him low, try and strip the ball, get some turnovers <laughs> like the Jaguars did, uh, but do not go high and you're just going to lose if that's the case. So Kenneth Murray needs to not go high. Like he <laughs> and Nasir Adderley also needs to not go high. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> thank, thank goodness the rest of their team is not that great. Yeah, honestly. Um, all right, we'll shift gears here to talk about the offense. Um, you know, obviously we saw what Justin Herbert was able to do last week, played essentially a, per, the perfect game. Chargers still only ended up with 23 points, um, mm. but the offense played much better this week. Outside of like the Joe Lombardi stuff, 
what are you hoping to see from uh by Joe Lombardi stuff? I mean like the bullshit screens and, and stuff <laughs> like that in the red zone. Outside of that, what are you hoping the Chargers offense is able to accomplish this week? I hope they throw a screen in the red zone to Dalton Parham because it works really well for them. <laughs> um, like, let's be honest, he's really good at them. Uh, they've scored like three touchdowns last year off that alone. Uh, no, please, like, don't only do that. Oh, I understand why, like, in some instances, if there's certain coverages or whatever, like, you throw that like, quick something to Keenan Allen off motion, that's fine. But the screens, yes, they, they do have to go. I think you're in a position now where if Pipkins is back, if Parham is there, like that, like going from Serrell and McKitty to Pipkins and Parham will just, I think just change the comfort level of how you call the plays on offense and just mm -hmm. a half a second more to design something more than just a screen. It's, it's clear. They don't really trust these guys down there in the red zone to hold up. At least not all of them. Um, but outside of the Joe, Joe Lombardi stuff, though, I, I do want to see it, it's tough to say when you want to not bench Austin Eckler, but you want to see more of Joshua Kelly at some point. And it's it's tough to exactly judge when because, you know, Eckler, you know, sometimes it doesn't look so great. And then he'll juke out a guy, go, you know, horizontal in the middle of the field yeah. somehow, keep his balance and get a first down or he'll make some spectacular plays at the goal line. So it's tough to judge when to not play him because he is your best running back. But at the same time, in terms of a pure runner, I do want to see Joshua Kelly get more involved. They had this fantastic balance against the Browns that they have yet to get back to because they, they haven't been able to. They didn't have their tight end. They didn't have Joshua Kelly for a big stretch of this season. And now I feel like you can get back to that. So I really do want to see this run game. I'm not saying it's going to break for, you know, 150 yards or anything like that, but I just hoping to see some more of that balance in the red zone. If you don't feel like you're holding up super great, you know, in the red zone and you can't pass the ball to the red zone for whatever reason, at least lean into that run game, which I think will turn around this week a little bit, but we'll see kind of who the Titans have back and, and whether Pipkins actually does play and is healthy. We'll see how much Parham actually plays, but I do want to see them lean into more Joshua Kelly. Again, I don't know when you decide to take Austin Eckler off the field, but they're going to have to try to do something to involve Joshua Kelly more because there's just there's just an oomph, there's a spark like in the same way that Justin Herbert was playing with some sort of fire this past weekend. Like you could tell that was just energizing. You could tell that was kind of very helpful for the offense for him to be playing like that. I feel like Joshua Kelly's playing style is also big for the offense in kind of that same emotional way. Yeah, I think I think Optimus Rhyme uh, makes a good point about you know the Chargers' best run blockers this season have been their their two guards and their center. And, you know, rightfully, the Chargers have kind of pivoted to more, you know, inside zone, split zone uh, this season. They still do a lot of the outside and zone stuff, I think, in part because that's something that Austin Eckler really does well. Um, but I do agree. Like, I think you need to see more Josh Kelly because I think, you know, there's just a, a different kind of violence with him. Again, this is this is a matchup where you're going to have to be the more physical team. And I think you need Josh Kelly out there more often to do that. And I think. Last week, I, I really wish they would have leaned more into into seeing what Joshua Kelly could do in that situation because they kept on trying to go up the middle. That's what they were best at, and I understand that. But you know, one yard, two yards from Austin Eckler just is it's different because Josh Kelly can turn those plays into four yards, five yards. Um, exactly. It was a really underrated play that he made. I think it was his second carry where they were trying to go mm -hmm. inside zone to the left, and Christian Wilkins came right across Foster Serrell's face. And mm -hmm. then there was an unblocked player outside of Sorrell and Josh Kelly just, just jump cut and went for 12 yards. Like it was a super underrated play in that game that I thought really kind of, you know, helped that drive stay alive for the chargers. I think it was that, that, uh, first play, the, the second drive where they got the actual, uh, where they, I think where they kicked the, the first field goal, excuse me. Mm -hmm. Um, so Josh Kelly, I, I think absolutely somebody you want to see, play more down the season. I mean, they're going to have to play some tough games down the stretch here in colder weather. If they play in the playoffs at Baltimore, at Buffalo, at Kansas City, mm -hmm. you're talking about a cold weather game. So I think this is really the perfect time to start ramping up Joshua Kelly's workload. He's definitely healthy. He played a lot of snaps on Sunday night, but he only ran the ball four times. And, you know, three of the four were really good runs. So um, I've been hoping for weeks that they kind of lean back more into <laughs> the Joshua Kelly thing. So I think this is the perfect time. I think, you know, again, the Chargers in their schedule, I think, lends itself towards some more yeah. Joshua Kelly just in time for the playoffs. Hopefully you can get him him going in a big way.
yeah, like you said, it, it's it really is perfect timing. I don't think the game's going to get. Oh God, I hope not. The game's going to get out of hand against the Titans. They're not going to rack up twenty-one points in the first quarter. I say this knowing full well the Titans could absolutely <laughs> do that. Um, yeah, but I, I feel like last year. Let's see, where is it? Uh, week fourteen. Well, I think it's part of it out of necessity. But week fourteen, week thirteen is when they started to ramp up Justin Jackson um, to really just get into that Good real one-two punch tandem with Eckler and and Jackson. I, I've been waiting for that. Obviously, Kelly's been hurt. So you couldn't really do that. But at some point, like, especially with Rashawn Slater coming back, you have, well, I hope so, Donald Parham out there. Like, you've got to start leaning into this. Um, I just think that your your line is also a better run-blocking unit probably right now when Trey Pipkins is back rather than pass protection, although we'll see. Um, they got to get it going. And it, I think, like you said, the schedule really lends itself to them being able to figure it out because they're close. It's just... You know the tight end gets beat on the backside of plays. Like just it's it's kind of been rough in the tight end department. Someone yeah. like Foster Serrell, you don't have those guys out there anymore. And I think this is a really good turning point potentially for the run game. And you have to like Herbert can't week after week after week into the postseason. You know play another three games, another 160 dropbacks. Like he just can't. I well I guess he can. He probably could, but you don't want to see him have to do that. So if they can work on the run game starting this week, that'd be great. Yeah, Joshua Kelly, since he's returned, uh, two carries against the Cardinals, seven against the Raiders, and four against the Dolphins. Uh, mm-hmm. I just I don't think that's enough. So um, outside of what we have seen in the run game, I think you, you really want to see uh, Joe Lombardi again do what works, which is a lot of the play action, a lot of the bootleg uh, stuff for Justin Herbert, especially if Jeffrey Simmons is playing in this game. Um, you know, I, I hope this is a situation where Joe Lombardi again, doesn't, you know, look at this defense that's been kind of struggling, been kind of injured and say, Hey, we can run our traditional dropback stuff, you know, 50 times a game again, like they did against the Raiders. So, um, you know, I, I feel good about where this offense is at, even if Jeffrey Simmons is playing, if we see the same kind of game plan that we saw last week against the dolphins against the 49ers in that first half. You know, I think that offense can really work and put up points against this Titans defense that really, frankly, outside of Kevin Byer, doesn't really have any players in the secondary that necessarily worry me. I mean, you're, you're probably going to see Roger McCurry, who's like 5'8", against Mike Williams like all day long on Sunday afternoon. So <laughs> uh, I, I would I would I would probably target Mike Williams a lot this week is what I'm trying to say and, and uh, make things easy on yourself as much as you can. Yeah, the, not a bad game plan there for sure. I really do feel like this. There's no real, real way for me to insert this into like a key <clears throat> matchup or victory formation segment, but I really feel like the offense is kind of about to. I don't know if 30 points is an explosion, but that's certainly more than they've been getting. I really feel like the offense is just it's just getting there. Like the chemistry is back. Mike Williams is back. Like and back back. He'll be back back this week. Not kind of like 60 percent of the snaps. Obviously, the synergy is there between Herbert and Allen. Like I just feel like. I feel like this offense is about to really take off. Um, not that it's 40 points a game, but I think they're going to start pushing and show that they're a top five offense. I think, knock on wood. Yeah, I mean, they were, you know, one DeAndre Carter slip away from scoring 30 against the Dolphins, which I think we all would have felt even better if that had been yeah. converted. I Again, I hate that play call. But if Carter doesn't slip, he probably does score there. So, yeah. Um, you know, I think this is a great time for the offense to to kind of figure their things out. And, you know, I, I said this on Twitter, but, um, you know, Steven Ruiz, who, who does great work for the Ringer Point in the South, um, Justin Herbert's EPA per dropback when Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are on the field together, it's only been like 70 dropbacks. But his EPA per dropback with those two out there is 032 and uh, Patrick Mahomes currently leads the league for total EPA per dropback on the season at 0.34, which is like mm. third best since the EPA thing became a thing in like 2011. So uh, Justin Herbert, when Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are out there, it's just it looks different. Like he totally can trust those guys to go out there and make plays. And I think you saw how much more confident he was playing with those two on Sunday night. That's a wild stat. Like it, it's <laughs> right? amazing to I know it's a very small sample size, but I mean just looking at it, Herbert was just it was just different and he was making these I don't know what it is. Like there's just sometimes like this the caliber of the player he's throwing to makes his throws better too. 
maybe it's a trust thing and he just he decides yeah. to make those throws that he wouldn't make to other players but that ball at the back of the end zone to Mike Williams he doesn't just throw that normally but to Mike Williams he'll make it that throw where he pins it on Keenan Allen on the left sideline he can really only throw that to someone like Keenan Allen it's just it is really different I mean you are paying those guys a lot of money they haven't gotten the returns on the 40 million dollars a year that they were hoping for but Man, it's just it's just so much better. And I've even heard, and I've shared this in like Discord, Herbert is just apparently happier on and off the field because Keenan Allen is back. Like there's just a different player out there. And you saw him uh, against the Dolphins. Everyone saw it. he's he's pointing at Keenan Allen going, Yeah, and he's all <laughs> fired up. I mean, it's just a different quarterback out there. And it's amazing what happens when two, you know, people want to say top five when it's an argument one way or the other, or bottom one hundred if you do the argument the other way, but let's just say top 20 receiver. When you have your two top 20 receivers out there, yeah. you're feeling pretty good. And he looks so much better. Um, so yeah, I, I really think this offense is about to take off again. Yeah. And you know, Parham coming back, if Slater can come back, although that Slater, there's been a lot of like, Oh, Slater can play next week against the Colts. I don't think that's happening. I think we're talking about Slater, like maybe returning for the Broncos game and then a playoff game, if at all. So um, you know, they're, they're not going to rush their all pro rookie left tackle back unless they absolutely have to. And so, um, you know, but even just having like functional receiving options just did wonders for Justin Herbert this week. Um, you know, and a lot of people pointing out, you know, they have players who are, are open, even if they're not necessarily open. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, this, this wide receiver trio, Gerald Everett, Austin Eckler, and the way that Justin Herbert is playing, like it just, <laughs> it just kind of sucks because there was a lot of narratives about like, oh, Justin Herbert hasn't improved. But I think if you like that Sunday night, really kind of shows you where Justin Herbert mm-hmm. is at, and really makes you wonder what kind of narratives we'd be having right now if just half of those injuries don't happen, right? Like if Justin never gets that rib injury. And Mike Williams doesn't sprain his ankle. Like, how are we talking about Justin Herbert at this point in the season if some of those things don't happen? Because you saw what he did on Sunday night, and he still two backup tackles out there. And, you know, just with his functional supporting cast, he just lit mm-hmm. up the Miami Dolphins uh, on such a consistently elite level that it just like yesterday I was looking, I was just sitting there thinking, like, man, like what if Justin just like was able to have all these guys healthy? Like what would we yeah. be talking about and how would we be talking about him in week 14 if that were the case? No, yeah, we'd be talking about him as, as probably third place in the MVP voting unless you're counting like Justin Jefferson and Micah Parsons. But in terms of, you know, the MVP quarterback award, it would probably be Mahomes. It'd probably be Hurts. And then like we all thought, like Herbert would be in that MVP race. And if that's what his EPA per play is with those guys on the field, you know, and if they were on the field the whole time, he'd have been so much better. Heck, if we didn't have that Jaguars game, if he just had normal functioning ribs, yeah, um, you know, things would be so much better. But you know, it is what it is. But I, I'm, I'm still glad that he was able to have that narrative kind of negatively, and then go out on primetime and say, "Nah, not so fast." Every beat writer who decided, you know, to write these hit pieces on me this week, whether he pays attention uh, to that or not. Yeah, I. Uh, it certainly seemed like he did. Um, all right, we didn't necessarily outline kind of our, our segments this week. Uh, apologize mm-hmm. for that, but we'll wrap it up here, Tyler. Uh, what's one key matchup that you're really focusing in on outside of all the other stuff that we've kind of uh, talked about today? Uh, tough to say because I think we've talked about all the, the key matchups <laughs> and key things. I mean, I really need to see the Island of Misfit players you know, in, the, in the spirit of Christmas, I guess. The Island of go. Misfit toys uh, play as well as they have because they the chargers have tried to replace guys like michael davis like braden fahoko alohi gilman you know, even joshua kelly uh, with draft picks or they sign someone really expensive or whatever and yet the chargers do not win against the dolphins without those players these guys are stepping up and saving the season saving their jobs granted a lot of that's justin herbert but you know like these guys these these players i mean michael davis if michael davis is not there against the dolphins it's dean leonard probably out on the outside and no offense you know and hey john taylor played well so maybe dean leonard could have as well but it's not the same these guys that they've tried to cast out that they tried to kind of get rid of have been really stepping up and so those guys need to continue to play well it's not necessarily a key matchup but if i'm looking at like run defense you know the way alohi gilman has been playing 
I do want to give him props. Like, I, there's no part of the segment that was prepped for this or anything, but like, I'm so impressed with Alohi Gilman, who's not a standout star player by any means, but this is a guy they've been trying to basically get rid of. He was a special teams player. They drafted him in the sixth round, wasn't really on any draft boards. They wanted to get rid of him. He was Anthony Lynn's player. You know, you already have Nasir Adderley. You get Mark Webb, who's kind of a different role now. You go get JT Woods, and yet Lohi Gilman was the safety three in camp. And it's like, okay, well, he'll lose his job eventually. But he stayed healthy. He kept playing hard. Now you see him out there, and you know, he's a he's been a good player for them the last couple of weeks. You gave him, you know, a retroactive game ball against, I think it was the Cardinals. Yeah. Um he just he's just playing so well. So I guess if I'm looking at like a key matchup, it's the safeties. It's if it's whatever, it's Nasir Adderley, it's Alohi Gilman, it's a bit of Raheem Lane. I don't know if JT Woods is playing any defense this week. I would hate to see his very rookie, not <laughs> super big safety self play against Derrick Henry and try to tackle him. Yeah. Um, but that really is what it is. Like the, the Titans are not going to generate explosive passing plays. If Traylon Burks is out, they might get explosive runs. Got to stop it. No big surprise there. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to shout out Alohi Gilman because I've been really been impressed with the way he's been playing. Yeah, absolutely. He deserves a, a shout out. I thought he played fantastic. And, you know, he rightfully had took a little victory lap for his uh, coverage play as well. And the way that they used him and Tranquil and, and Nasir Adderley last week was was so much fun to watch on film. And the way they were trying to, like, essentially mesh this, like, Tampa 2 and man press man coverage scheme was was really fun to watch. Um, and Alohi Gimmon was, was frankly the key to that. And he's... He's just so much more trustworthy back there than what we've seen from Nasir Adderley, than obviously what we've mm-hmm. seen from JT Woods. Um, he's really coming into his own, and I hope that he's able to to be rewarded from it. I would love to see him be, you know, more than just kind of like that dime package defensive back because I think he really can be, you know, a reliable player for this team. So uh, he deserves a shout out as well. We talked about Mike, Michael Davis a lot on Sunday night. You know, played fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, that film that I watched from Michael Davis, man, like. He's playing some fantastic, fantastic football right now for this team. I don't think he's like a CB1. I don't like we've mm-hmm. talked about this before, but I think he's a truly high end CB2 right now for this team and, and he's playing well. Um, I'm going to go to the other side of the ball. I think this is again a, a, another game where we're going to see really the value of Corey Lindsley uh, mm-hmm. go up against this. Um, I forget the defensive coordinator's name already. Um, <clears throat> But the the defensive game plan really for the, the Tennessee Titans, it's very reminiscent to what the Raiders did to the Chargers, which is a lot of simulated pressures. It's a lot of, you know, things that look, Shane Bowen, thank you, um, <laughs> things that look like cover zero, and they're really going to turn in more to like five-man pressure looks and things like that. They're going to bail out of blitzes a lot. They're going to send blitzes a lot. So I think Corey Lindsley against this defensive front for the Titans and their blitz packages really is one thing that I'm going to be keying in on because, you know, they did not do a good enough job without Corey Lindsley against the Las Vegas Raiders. And it was one of the key reasons why they lost. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, having Corey Lindsley is huge every single week. I thought they did such a better job of identifying protections the right way this week. Unfortunately, there were some times where Foster Sale just gets beat and, and you know, Zion had a couple bad reps and Matt Filer had a couple bad reps and Jamari had a couple bad reps. But from a protection plan standpoint, I thought the way that Corey Lindsay was able to identify things and pick blitzes up was really good last week. And it's going to be a key this week again. And mm-hmm. as Arjun points out, Jeffrey Simmons potentially back this week. They're going to try yeah. and isolate him one on one as much as they can. And so how the Chargers go about combating double teaming him and picking up the pressures and preparing for the simulated pressures, I think is, is key to this week. And again, another reason why you probably should, you know, do a lot of the play action bootleg concepts because that just kind of takes that whole thing off the board. So Mm -hmm. um, I counted eight design rollouts for the Chargers last week against the Dolphins. I think you probably want to do that, that number at least if not Mm -hmm. more this week. So um protection plan for me has been kind of the key for the last few weeks and it is again this week yeah that's great to point out uh the tennessee titans do blitz less often than the gus bradley colts so there's that at least uh third fewest 
split or third lowest blitz rate in the league. So hopefully not too often, but I, I'm sure because I believe, let's see, where are the Raiders? The Raiders were pretty low too, I think, weren't they? They're kind of middle of the pack, but I feel like they kind of ramped it up against the Chargers, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they'll maybe they'll change things up because of who they have out there. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think that's going to do it for us tonight. So we've had a, a good amount of people in chat today. Appreciate everybody uh, tuning in. Tyler, any uh, final thoughts before uh, we head out tonight? Um, glad my Wi-Fi held up. I don't think it was too problematic at all. So that's no, great. No um, issues. Yay, Cox Wi-Fi. Um, <laughs> that's my not a sponsor of the show, but currently a, my internet provider. So thank you very much, Cox Wi-Fi or internet, whatever you are. Um, nope, I'll be there at the game. Somebody asked in the chat. I will be there at the game. Um, I believe I'm going to sell our two tickets and then I'm going to go with just my parents to the game. My mom really wants to go. So we'll buy tickets somewhere else and um, you'll hear us. I'm the, I'm the quietest of the three. So you hear them. Really? Oh, yeah. No, my, my parents are super freaking loud. And I, uh, I don't know. I'm just a firstborn introvert, I guess. There you go. Uh, Cox Wi-Fi, if you want to sponsor us, uh, hit us up, I guess. <laughs> Hey, it's working. Yeah, it works and, great. Um, Alex likes Cox or whatever he said last year. <laughs> oh, yeah. Talk about remember, Fletcher. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, no, I'm excited for this game, man. I, I think this is really going to be a, a big litmus test for where this team is at from a physicality standpoint. Um, you know, excited to see how they, they handle this because obviously last week, much more of a, a scheme, you know, finesse kind of game, you know, going up against the, the Dolphins offense. So, uh, very excited to see how the Chargers handled this very different challenge this week. So uh, we'll, uh, we are going live again on Saturday. We'll do our usual Q&A. We're, we're not having a, a live uh, analytics segment this week. Arjun's flying back to California, so he'll be joining us on a Saturday for that portion of his, uh, of his preparation. And then, of course, we'll have you guys covered on Sunday, probably evening, uh, for our post game recap. So, as always, if you are watching this, make sure to like the video, subscribe, uh, and turn those notifications on. If you are listening, make sure to leave us a rating review. We do really appreciate that. Got a recent bump up from uh, the uh, review standpoint. So, appreciate everybody who's left us one. Oh, thank you. Recently. So, really appreciate that. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Today's last day of Pro, Pro Bowl voting. So, go out and vote. Uh, if you're confused about Tyler's vote yes on prop 30 name today <laughs> it's because of the title the austin eckler video so there Ooh, what is prop 30 really i hope i didn't like <laughs> I, I, even know. <laughs> I love how it was like big nfl <laughs> a, a tax to support the purchase of electric vehicles that seems actually very fitting too there um, you, go. you know okay i own an electric vehicle so. okay i thought it was like something like yeah or want yeah, to be something okay. just like terrible <laughs> Yeah, no, I should have checked ahead of time, but we're okay. Yeah, we're good. Um, but yeah, man, appreciate it. I appreciate everybody in the chat. We'll see you guys on uh, Saturday afternoon. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.